Today on The Breakdown, you may remember a guy named Christoph Vogelsang, robot extraordinaire, GTO processing machine. That's right, Christoph Vogelsang. Well, he made yet another big final table. There were seven players left. There was still $200,000 to be won. He's going to face off against another player we've done a breakdown on before, Tan Mulder. And it's one of those hands where, I mean, look, everybody flops very, very well. And it feels like it should be a cooler. And it feels like all the chips should get in at any point, really. And yet, they do not. Why? How? When? Where? Even, you might be asking. And who, of course, is the other important question. We're going to get to it all right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. What does it smell like? What what (laughs) What does the hand smell like? It smells like fear. Okay. It smells like hope. It smells like ambition. All right. I don't know what those things smell like. Well, you asked me what it smells like. You didn't ask me what do those things Don't you smell think like. about poker hands in terms of smells? Don't we all? I think they smell like fear, hope, and ambition. I feel like they smell like rosemary, thyme, and basil. Those things don't have smells. <laughs> what smells are those? Those things have smells. <laughs> do, you have, do you have COVID? <laughs> <laughs> I do not have COVID, but I will say that lately when I eat and smell things... Can't really taste anything or smell anything, so but I definitely don't have COVID. All right, of course. Funny, funny pandemic. Yeah, joke. what are we doing here? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's been a long pandemic. Can't we it make has. jokes about it yet? I mean, there definitely are jokes that are being made, and yeah, we've. I think in our whole year and change now of doing many, many podcasts. I mean, we've done probably a hundred podcasts since the pandemic started, right? Maybe more. something like that. Maybe yeah. more. It's been as as of this recording, it's been fourteen months since it really hit the U.S. Yeah, so probably more. Yeah, so whatever. Uh, oh, or actually, yeah, yeah, whatever. Some amount like that. Uh, we've made almost zero COVID jokes. We make jokes about being like stir crazy from the pandemic. Yeah, but that's it. I think we can joke about losing taste and smell. That's not such a severe. That's thing. okay, right? We're yeah. not saying. Something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which if I said, I guess then we're going into it. Um, but whatever. I, I don't even know if there's a whole lot of comedy to be to No, to probably be not. There. Um, I'm much more interested in other things. Mining other things. Mining, you know, narrative gold, if you will. Okay. One thing, though, about taste and smell. Oh. About oh, COVID. Yes, Let's go please. into it. Because I, like, there's a... Apparently, people did some digging into, like, social media stuff on Twitter from, from early pandemic. And this is a little bit grim, but also kind of funny in a way. <laughs> Great. And like some person found all these reviews of restaurants that are like, this place is terrible. There's no taste oh. in anything. <laughs> like it doesn't, like I can't smell the food. I can't taste the food. I would just go to the deli and buy a sandwich. That's a better idea. You know, like stuff like that. That's funny. Like March, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if those are, I guess those are probably real, right? Yeah. Cause they, some of them could be like funny pranks too. Funny it, pranks. It'd be a bit early for that. Well, actually, they could have found it. it. It may not be real at all. Oh, oh saying, like the person know. tweeting could have yeah, yeah. Like created it. That's image. possible. But, that's, but good for them if they did. That's a funny You idea. know what? You earned it. Exactly. You, you got Grant. You tricked Grant and you did good. And tricking Grant is, is you know, just a step goal. below godliness. It's the ultimate goal. I mean, it's between cleanliness and godliness at least. So. so that's pretty good. It's like one step below or a step above. How dirty were people when that became a phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness? Like, <laughs> society was worried about how dirty people were. They're like, we have to do something about this. <laughs> we, have to, we have to create a phrase that makes people really want to clean themselves. I mean, 
I will say that, first of all, in Europe back in the day, like people didn't, you know, people like washed once a week, right? Yeah. That was like a thing. Or less. Or less. And, uh, and then I'm sure as we became more modern, both in Europe, America, and many other places, uh, we started you know, taking more showers and baths like regularly, like yeah. every day and things like that. But the truth is, you know, do you really have to shower every day, Grant? Isn't that just it's a all, waste of time? It's all water? relative. It's all relative, really. I mean, yeah. like if, you, if you're used to the smells of, of human slight decay because of lack of hygiene, then it's fine. You call it slight decay. I call it happy smell germs. Happy smell <laughs> germs. I think there is actual like health risk in not cleaning yourself for a significant portion of time. Bacteria and stuff. Of course, of course. But I would guess once a week is probably enough as long as you're not worried about societal obligations, you know? Probably. But I mean, at least our modern noses, I've, I've known people who don't shower very often, like once a week and the smell is not good. Like it's not enjoyable to be around. Maybe it would have been fine in 1800 and I would have been like, that's normal and cool and cool. But like now, now I'm sensitive to it. Yeah, I mean, I will say since the pandemic started, I shower less than I used to because I'm not going anywhere. I'm just all by myself. Sure. Uh, and I usually shower when, I mean, I work out a fair amount and I work out five days a week. And so like sometimes I, sw- I sweat a lot, but I don't always shower after that. But eventually like I'm like, all right. You don't always shower after you work out? Nah. That's like the only reason that I shower almost every day is because I run almost every day. Yeah. Like otherwise I probably would be in pandemic mode like every three days, but I, just I, have, I have, after I run, I have to shower. <laughs> like, I'm so sweaty. No, I'm really sweaty. Usually I have like sweat. Like I have to like rub it out of my eyes and I'm like, really, how are you not showering? Don't what, you feel horrible? Well, what I want to do is I want to like drink something right away. Like sometimes eat something right away. And then I like get interested in the internet and I start like, and then, and then I'm all dried off and I feel fine again. And I'm like, and so, does, so even that, always happen. Uh, that's not how it works for me. I, even after I'm dried off from sweating, oh, I, feel, I still feel kind of gross. Oh, I understand that. And that's completely reasonable. And sometimes I do. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just shower tomorrow after the workout. So, so I hope you clean your back. sheets sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Hey, speaking the of the hygiene podcast, <laughs> it's about time, right? We haven't done a hygiene <laughs> podcast ever. Yeah. Dove, so Dove men plus care. So now we're changing the format. It's hygiene only. <laughs> we're going to break down hygiene. All right. Bar soap or liquid soap for when you're washing your hands that, at the sink. That's important to ask yeah. that question. I would say liquid soap for hands. Absolutely. Pretty clearly, right? Bar soap or liquid soap in the shower? Bar soap all day. Wrong. Liquid soap all day. Why? It's always liquid soap. Are you crazy? Liquid soap is a better mousetrap. Bar soap is a vestige of the past, and we're all faking it when we use bar soap. See, this is why you're wrong. Okay. Let's hear it. When you're at the sink, I can't believe we're doing this. When you're at the sink. <laughs> I, I, how actually, can, after, after six years of this shit, how can you not believe we're doing this? <laughs> I never would have get, like. There would have been a lot of... Mil- there would have been so many guesses before I got to. I'm going to break down why bar soap is good in the shower. But you not. wouldn't be surprised. No, I guess not. Anyway, so when you're washing your hands, you only need a little bit of soap. You don't need to go back for more. So liquid soap is perfect for that. And then you don't have to keep holding the soap. You know, it, It's quick and easy. When you're in the shower, if you do liquid soap, you have to keep going back and getting more. If you've got the bar soap, it's in your hand all the oh time. Oh, my God. You're 49 years old and you've never discovered washcloths. Oh, yeah. I don't use washcloths. Wow. I cannot believe we just uncovered what's going on here. I do not use washcloths. Wow. Isn't that for little kids? No. <laughs> little like, kids use If those. you use a washcloth, you don't have to go back. You get, you get a washcloth, you get it wet, you put the liquid soap on, you rub it in, you got, you're all set. You I, don't have to go back for any more. I've, you know, I've been in numerous relationships in my life, taken a lot of showers with a lot of people, never met anyone who used a washcloth. Really? Isn't that weird? Since, yes. Since it's so obvious. And I have heard other adults talk about washcloths, so I'm not saying you're like it's, unique it's here. The, it fixes your whole problem. Maybe it does. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to actually, you know, that feels like a bridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was like an aha moment <laughs> for me, at least to, yeah. to realize that. But that is, that is what's going on at least. Yeah, for sure. And you don't, you never need to go back for more with the washcloth. Not if you get the right amount, yeah. which over time you learn what, sure. what it is. Yeah. And that's better. Why? Why is that better than the bar soap? I mean, what's good about the bar soap? I don't know. It's the same, really. Right? You're rubbing the bar on your body. That's what you're no, doing. No, <laughs> so, I'm not a heathen. So how? So what are you doing with the you, bar? You you lather it up in your hands and you put your hands on your body. Okay, and you're you doing it. that with liquid soap, and you have to go back when you use liquid soap. Yeah, because because I run out. Because so you have to keep lathering up the the bar soap too, but it's in your hands already. Oh, so you're holding it while you're doing this. Yeah, I'm confused by your whole process, man. <laughs> <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? I lather it up. Yeah, I hold it with one hand and the other hand because some rubby dubs. You're doing it all wrong, man. <laughs> washcloth. Even with a bar, like I've had, yeah. I've been in situations where I'm forced to use a bar soap in the shower. I also use a washcloth for that. So, so when you go to a hotel, yeah, those little those little towels, you use those for washing. That's called a washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> Those are napkins, right? <laughs> Basically, napkin towels. Wow, this is good. This is I was always like, you know, I don't need to dry my hands on a small towel. I don't know why a small towel is just for drying. No, those your are hands. for those are for using in the shower. <laughs> yeah, I, um, that makes a lot more sense. This is weird. This is, I guess, this is on my parents for not teaching me this stuff. Or, you know, I'm I am of a different generation than you, and maybe that generation didn't use washcloths. Doesn't, doesn't, make doesn't your generation use like a powder, like a lye style? <laughs> use tooth polish you know, <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, the hygiene okay. podcast. Wow, we really did that. Yeah. You know what? You're welcome. And the thing is, that wasn't a bit. That was genuine. We were really having like a moment of discovery yeah. there. <laughs> That's what makes it so wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to switch gears dramatically. Please do. So on our last, one, one on a recent podcast, I don't know exactly how long it came out anymore because I don't, we're recording this and everything's in flux. But recently, we did a podcast where we had a, I'm going to call it a friendly debate about Hall & Oates songs. Yes. And you espoused this bizarre perspective that the song Rich Girl is the best Hall & Oates song. Uh-huh. Which is obviously stupid. <laughs> but you kept on. You just decided, you know, you're like Mary, you know, the Virgin Mary. You're just sticking your story. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and I said, obviously, She's Gone is better. And I think at one point I even said Sarah Smile. I think... As I thought about it more, I like I think Sarah Smile is actually my favorite Hall Note song. Is clearly better, but but I went with "She's Gone." That's fine. So people weighed in. Yeah, of course they did. So I want to just read some of the some of the things because we felt very strongly that the other guy was wrong and that the people would agree with us, right? Sure. Ben Page, the goat. At least at one point he was the goat. At we, one point. He's got he's got competition with Casper Quack these days. Wow. Wow. Anyway, Ben Page says, rich girl wins, and it's not even close. Saxophone solo is a disqualification just to start with. I got a bone to pick with you there, Ben Page. Not, you, you're allowed to like rich girl, but saying saxophone solos, not cute. It's the 80s, man. Like, every pop song had a saxophone solo. No, no, solo. that's the thing is, you can pick between a saxophone solo and a pan flute solo, and clearly you have to pick the pan flute <laughs> if you're going to do an 80s song. Fucking Jethro Tull. Oh my pan God. flutes are good, man. Mark Testart. Australian lawyer. Ben Page, also Australian, by the way. But is he a lawyer? I'm going to guess no. He's a reporter. Yeah, of course. Page! <laughs> I need you in here right now! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's never going to get old. No, it's not. The editor of the Daily Planet needs to see Ben Page immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Testart, Australian lawyer, says, out of touch, 
is better than Rich Girl, is better than You Make My Dreams Come True, is better than She's Gone. Hashtag Hall and Oates. Nobody was talking about You Make My Dreams Come True, Testart, all well, right? Uh, more important than that is he's talking about Out of Touch is the best song of all. And Out of Touch, which I know Out of Touch, okay? I've lived that life. I went to see Hall and Oates when they did their Out of Touch tour. <laughs> did you that, really? I did. Wow. Uh, that's the, that was one of my first concerts, actually. And I love the concert. But come on. Out of Touch is like not that good a song. It's super poppy and plain and very... Come on, Mark Testart. And then he says... Oh, then he gives us a, a different version of Rich Girl by a different band and says this proves it's better, which this is some weird Australian lawyer logic that makes no sense. That must be sense. like a barrister thing. Is that what they call him? Solicitor? Maybe? Yeah. I, I don't even know. Mike um, Adi Addy says Rich Girl is like Ace Queen suited. Really good, but not quite perfect. She's gone as King Nine off. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay in some cases, but half the time you have it. It was, you don't even want it. Half the time you have it, you don't even want it. Yeah. Okay, he just added a few extra words in there. Um, okay, so, so far, no one is on the side of she's gone. People are either on the side of rich girl or are like, well... It's like, it's two, it's like two and a half to zero or so. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, David Ritchie chimes in with, I can't go for that no can do, you fools. Now, yeah. that's my kind of a fucking tweet right there. I mean, that song is really repetitive. Oh, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. But, like, I appreciate him, like, not, not feeling the need to explain it. You know, not whatever. Just, yeah. like, this is the better that's song, confidence. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I like that. That guy can walk into a room and just get $100,000. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Carl says, lots of spicy music takes today. She's gone greater than Rich Girl in the same sense that Aces is greater than Kings. Both good, but anyone who doesn't know the answer is dumb. Carl. Carl's got, Carl's got to be careful. Carl's doing it. Carl's got to tread lightly. He also said, Journey is worse than Foreigner only among Detroit residents. That sounds about right. Uh, okay, I think that's all the weighing in so far. But I appreciate all the tweets. Yes. That's great. So, so far, I'm in the lead here. You are in the lead so far. But no one, but no one thinks that She's Gone is the best, right? Rich Sorry, girl. Rich Girl is the best. Who, who knows? They all blend together anyway. I, I, some of them don't make it clear. Yeah, but mostly people are like, well, Rich Girl's better than She's Gone, but actually the best song is blah, 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 right? Except for Carl, who actually thinks She's Gone is aces. What, what, this, what this has done for me yeah. has made me learn that there's a whole bunch of different little silos of yeah. Hall & Oates understandings. Like in my silo, and this is true, like clearly Rich Girl is like the most famous, the best... Hall and Oates song and there's people in other silos right. who are like what the fuck are you talking about and I'm, one, I'm in that silo of like obviously first of all She's Gone and Sarah Smile are both clearly more popular and clearly better this is like I'm, the, in my own, I'm in my own little world over here this is like the dress you know that one yes. that's the, is it gold and black or blue and Lanny and Beeple or whatever oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You know, Yanni and Laurel yeah yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's like so. that it's like people are having their own perceptive experience that's like feels so wrong to the other people well is Hall and Oates is not a real thing is it's a re- multiverse fucking thing <laughs> Is the rich girl that you hear even the same rich girl that I hear? I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. Wow. Heavy stuff. Heavy I, stuff for the opening of a poker podcast where we haven't talked about poker at all. Not Heavy even stuff. once. Heavy stuff. I had not mentioned it until I just mentioned that we haven't talked about it. Yep. Good for us. Poker. You're welcome, Chad McVean. We're doing it again. The preamble will last forever, Chad McVean. It might. It might, and that's fine. Someday it will. All right. 
Owen Abma. Yes. Speaking of up-and-comers in the suggesting world, Indeed. Owen's been doing a lot of nice suggesting recently. It reminds me of that time when Owen Crow was coming up on the w, uh, the EPT a little bit, and he was suddenly like starting to make some noise. Oh, I kind of remember that guy. Yeah, it was a while ago now, but Owen Abma. So like, and everyone's like, ooh, Owen Crow's good. You know, like, oh, he's dangerous. Be careful of Owen Crow. This is like Owen Abma now. Like, Be, be if, careful. Don't let Owen Abma get you in the post. He's going to school you, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, he suggested this hand. Yeah, he did. Good job, Owen. He suggested on Twitter. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter. Please include a video link and timestamp it. That is what Owen did. Because he's no fool. Probably likes Rich Girl. <laughs> or he, he's got his own silo. He might have his own he probably silo. Probably his, his own silo. Yeah, it's like some obscure song that we've never heard of. She's or, gone! Or maybe, or maybe in his universe, it's actually like Hell and Oats. Like the Berenstein Bears thing. Mm, you know? Okay. Let's just take one moment Okay. Here. So the Berenstein Bears thing. Which I'm sure this, but if you don't know what we're talking about, look it up. We're not going to get into it too right. much. But like it's the multiple universe theory yeah. of multiple worlds, whatever. So I kind of experiencing this right now in that I've watched Arrested Development multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. The whole the whole run on Netflix, probably like three times or something. So I ran out of stuff to watch, so I started like rewatching it again, right? So season one went the way I remembered. Season two started, and I swear to God, there's I'm like halfway through season two. There are multiple episodes I've never seen. And I'm like, I would have remembered that. I don't remember that. I don't know what this is. Is it possible that Netflix added episodes in that were not included in the original run? I actually tried to look that up because it seems so odd to me. I was like, they must have. They must yeah. have. And I like tried to I tried to find it on Google. I couldn't find anyone talking about that. And I'm confused. Like, I swear to God, I've watched the whole run multiple times and I've never seen these episodes. So Maybe, maybe they didn't have the rights to them and they somehow no one's talking about it on Google, which doesn't make any sense in the, in the internet. But, or, or, Berenstein Bears, baby. It could be. I mean, the Berenstein Bears. There was also a viral Reddit post from, I don't know, five years ago about a Seinfeld episode that somebody vividly remembers and they yes. describe the episode and it sounds like a really viable Seinfeld plot. And they're like, I swear this is in like season five. And I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. Somebody please tell me I'm not crazy. And like a bunch of people are like, I totally remember that episode. But it's like, it's it. nowhere on the internet. It's nowhere. Yeah. Is it possible something like that got scrubbed for some reason? Yeah, like kind of like the 30 Rock with blackface exactly. in it. Like something like that. The thing is, we all know about that with right. 30 Rock. And you think Seinfeld is popular enough that if, if an episode got scrubbed, there would be ways to know that. Yeah. Much like actually if Arrested Development actually added multiple episodes. Yeah, you would think Netflix would actually tout that as like a, exactly. a feature. Yeah, like, congr- and also like, I remember this. Like, there's a point at the end of season three, which is when they thought they were, when they got canceled the first time. Yeah. We're like, the second to last episode, they know they're getting canceled, right? And they're, they're actively talking about on the show about like, will Showtime pick us up? Will HBO pick yeah. us up? And all that stuff. And there's a point when Michael says to George Michael, something like, um, you know, how long have you been in love with your cousin or something like that? And, and George Michael says something like 54 episodes worth or something like that. He makes a joke about exactly the amount of episodes yeah. that have been. I remember looking and saying, oh, it really is. It's been that many episodes that I've seen that's on Netflix. Uh, so that would stand. That means I've watched all the episodes, uh, right? Interesting. I don't know what's like. I finally got to an episode yesterday. I'm like, I remember this. It's Tony Wonder with Ben Stiller with the bread and all that stuff, the magician stuff. I've seen this episode. We're finally back to episodes I've seen again. But there was like seven in a row I've never seen. It's really weird. That is interesting. Or I don't remember. I've seen I completely blanked out, even though there's memorable moments in them. All right. We're about 20 minutes in. Okay. But one more thing I want to get to. Cause <laughs> yeah. it's, a similar, it's, not, it's not at all Good. the same realm, but okay. I am a, a new parent, so I have like a lot of time where I just want my brain to be dead when the baby's asleep. So sure. I like, tr- I'm trying to find dumb shows to watch. So I did a rewatch of Scrubs recently, sure. the show Scrubs, 
which the first two seasons are really great. Oh, fabulous. But then it kind of slowly declines. Exactly. And but I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm in it. Let's go. Still good. Yeah. Uh, when they did the whole reboot, where they like, I I bailed on that. But mm-hmm. like, they they had a, a season that happened during the writers' strike that is just so weird because the episodes are out of order. There's only twelve where they ordered twenty four. They have like this big, like Kelso's leaving episode. Kelso's like the chief of medicine, like in the middle of it. And the last episode is like a joke episode, and then it's just like the end of Scrubs. And then, like, years later, they restarted with, like, the reboot thing. When you say a joke episode, what do you mean? Like, there's nothing serious that happens. There's no, like, heartfelt understanding. Uh, I don't even remember what it's about. It's like they go to the fair and, and they're just, they found a, a hot dog on the ground. Or, right. Like, As opposed to, like, Scrubs normally where, like, at the end, he always says the voiceover with yeah. a big lesson. Right. And it's like there's something supposed and, to and be it's, moving. And especially at the end of the season or, like, in a big important episode. And yeah. you expect the series finale to be, like, a huge deal as far as, like, they would even almost forgo comedy in a show like that. Right. right. So that, that's a bit of a weird experience. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to point that out. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Baron Stern Bears, multiple universes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. That's like what we were talking about. Oh, and Abba. Oh, and Abba. All right. So this is a 5K buy-in. Yeah. How is this podcast the same podcast as the one we were just doing? 5K buy-in scoop event. <laughs> uh, question. Happened in April 2021. It's okay. when we're recording this. Uh, I believe it'll come out in, in May. May, but early May. Yeah. So um, soon. So we have Christoph Vogelsang, who's just... He's been good for a long time now. You know, I remember the feeling of him being a newcomer to the high roller scene, maybe 2015 or so. Mm-hmm. And because I remember him being a newcomer to the scene, it always feels like he's a newcomer, but he's really been sustaining it at these high levels for, it's hard to do for this long. Yeah. Six years. Absolutely. And during the pandemic, we've been doing multiple hands of his in these online final tables because he just keeps ending up at these online final tables. He's absolutely doing something that other people aren't and he's doing it well. Fair enough. Now, he's yeah. probably playing all these events, which helps a little bit, but yeah. still, to I, your point, I, I, he's making like, money. Based on the anecdotal evidence that we have, it seems likely that he's certainly in the, in the plus here. Oh, yeah. yeah. It seems impossible that he wouldn't be. Right. So he's in this hand. Teon Mulder's in this hand. Uh, the third money winner in Finland's history is in this hand, although he's not going to matter as much. What is his name? Yoni Jokinmanen. Jokinmanen. Yeah. Jokinmanen. Yoni. He was one of the guys who did the funny hats at the EPT final table, right? Yeah, there were four left, and there were three uh, Finnish guys, yeah. including... Uh, Zygmunt. Including Zygmunt, and they all wore those funny hats, the yeah. like New Year's Eve hat type things. And, Except, got... and then the one non-guy didn't wear a hat, yeah. I think. And then he's the guy who checked back the nuts mm-hmm. on the river yeah. against Yoni, I think, actually. And Yoni literally said, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy had a one-round penalty when they were three. Yeah. And uh, they all got really drunk. Yeah, they all got drunk, and the guy who didn't get drunk and didn't wear the hats won. Go figure. Super weird. <laughs> All right. So we have seven remaining in this event. 48,500 for seventh. First place is 247K. So huge difference between seventh and first, despite there being 250 people in this event, because poker tournaments are weird like that's that. How, that's how it always is, though, yeah. We're at 50K, 100K. Okay. Teon Mulder is going to open the action. We saw him once before, maybe two, two and a half years ago, playing against Tan Juan. Yeah. Right? Um, we haven't really talked about him since. What are you laughing about over there? Because <laughs> I was just thinking about the people who listen to this podcast just for the poker. Yeah. And like they used to like be able to like fast forward like to 10 minutes. Ten, and just like they get to 10 minutes and like, okay. And they do three more. And they just have to keep them like, what the hell is going on? They finally get there. And I'm just laughing about like, we that was like 20 minutes worth of we this fast forward. We, we, might, we might actually silo that eventually and make eventually. that its own podcast. And we'll go oh my God. straight to poker on this it's one. It's really funny. Anyway, please continue. All right. So Theon Mulder, he's going to open the action. He's got four and a half million at 100k big blind. He's plus one. He's got ace of clubs, queen of hearts. He's going to make a 220. Nothing, nothing to get mad about there. Right. Yoka Manin, also known as Bustoville online, 
has 80 bigs and two nines in the middle position. He's going to make the call. He's not going to matter. Spoiler alert. Christoph Vogelsang is in the big blind. He's got two threes and 40 bigs, 4 million. Three of spades, three of clubs. He's going to make the call. Okay. That seems fine and normal, right? Absolutely. Pot's about 800K. The flop is queen of spades, ace of hearts, three of diamonds. Jonathan, what does Christoph Vogelsang have? He's got pocket threes. He's got a set of threes. What does Teon Mulder have? He has ace, queen. He's got top two. This is 40 blinds effective. Grant. This, this should be Bustoville. Collision time. <laughs> collision right. time is what I was going to say. That's what I meant to say. Collision time. That's what we say in poker now. It's like Die Hard 5. Collision time. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, good, that was good a name bad Die Hard. So I want to talk about what happens on this flop, Jonathan, because right. it checks around. Yeah. So let's talk about Vogel saying's check first. Makes tons of sense. It's an ace high board. You expect to see bet a lot of the time. Yeah. It's fine. Would you lead here sometimes? Probably, but not often, right? With the set, bottom set on this board? Not often. You'd expect between the two players, it's rarely going to go check, check, check uh, when we check our set of threes, right? Yeah. The only concern I would have with not leading, and I still like not, I still think we should check, um, is if we check raise, it may look really strong if we check raise into two other players. We could also check call, obviously. We could, but eventually we're going to have to show our claws, right? Yeah. Um, and it's going to look strong no matter what. I, don't I, know I, I think we're supposed to check. It's going to be tough to find a check raising range on this board from the big blind when an early position player opened. There's not even, you know, there's not even two of a suit on there, you know? I mean, we were in the big blind, right? So yeah. we can have like. Um, it's ace, queen, three. We can have like queen, three suited and stuff like that. But you're right. The bluffs are like four, five and jack, ten and stuff yeah. like that. That's about it. But if we have those as bluffs, a set of threes is a really good hand to balance with. But this is not the board you necessarily want to attack an early position opener. Right. Uh, with 40 blinds effective. In general. Yeah. In general. Right. You're like, you're not, you may not do that with four, five and jack, ten very often, but right. a little bit. You're going to have to do it a little bit, of course, but not, not very often. I, I would guess Vogel might be in check calling mindset uh, when he checks here. I would think that's his most likely action. Um, but okay. And you're doing it just to not scare off your opponents. Yeah. And, and like, it's the type of board where your opponent's going to bet a second time and usually a big bet a lot of the time with or without it. That's true. Cause they have, they have Queens, they have aces, they have yeah. top two, they have whatever. Yeah. yeah. They have ace King. Yeah. Yeah. Hands like that. Ace Jack even could, could comfortably bet that. I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Fair enough. So you could decide to check, but also this is the kind of board where you could check raise. Um, in theory, if you've got the four fives and the jack tens in your range and you are check raising those sometimes and Vogel saying knows if he does or not, right? yeah. if he has those, this is a really good, perfect hand to check raise with because we're not blocking ace X right, at I all, agree. which is pretty sweet. And I suppose like if we had ace three, now we're blocking ace X. And at these levels, our opponents are often going to be using distribution to make decisions. So if Mulder does have any reasonable ace, he's probably going to feel obligated to call exactly. despite it being difficult to come up with the bluffs on the you flop. Know. Anyway, yeah. he just can't fold yet. Right. right so. But fair enough. I think I think you're right. He may be check calling a fair amount. I think we I think leading is really weird to do on this board because it's such a razor a razor's board. You know? Yeah. So let's talk about Mulder's check because that one is far more interesting. Yeah. Flop top two. He had a call from middle position despite opening early. I know Vogelsang doesn't rate to have much on this board, but Yokomanen clearly could have a, an ace or a hand that can continue at least. I mean, Yokomanen Yoko can have a queen comfortably. He can have an ace. Um, Vogelsang can have both of those things as well. Yeah. They rarely have very strong hands. That's the one thing. Like, queen three suited, ace three, I guess um, Vogelsang can have. Yokomanen can have ace jack and ace ten. Right. So that's not very strong, but that's yeah. strong enough. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, but, like, that's... I guess pocket threes exist also, but we don't want them to have We do not want them to have pocket threes. Anyway, so, threes and, of course, they do, but... 
that's like that's the bad side of it. But like like we're really just hoping that there's an Ace Three out there. Like that's that's the way we get all the money, right? In theory. Yeah. So still, it seems like very obvious that we would almost always bet this, right? Because we would almost if we what what aren't we betting? We're not betting jacks. We're not betting kings. Maybe yeah, kings and jacks make lots of a sense. queen. If we have king queen, we're probably checking. Yep. And those those are the things that make the most sense to check, really. I mean, you might you might even bet hands like jacks and tens just because like there's two you just don't want to deal with other bad cards coming, you know, like a little bit more protection for your hand. Uh yeah, tens more than jacks probably yeah. as a result, but sure. That's not it's not crazy or anything like that. You would think this is exactly the kind of hand you would want to bet, because if someone has an ace, you want to build that pot up right now and maybe be able to, you know, make a big bet on the river sometimes. Maybe they improve even. Like maybe the story isn't great. Maybe, you know, like why wouldn't we want to start betting right now? Because we're crushing an ace. Like this is good. I mean maybe Mulder is tapping into the 2010 stereotype of the idiots from Northern Europe, as Phil Humuth put it, and like thinking that Yokomane is just gonna bet no matter what one check uh, to. Which is probably not true in 2021, but maybe that's how Finnish people played when when Phil Humuth said that. But like I don't think they'd do any more. Like obviously everybody's kind of advanced together in a different way. I mean, if you, if you're Yokomane and you have a different hand, like pocket nines is probably is not doesn't make a lot of sense as a bet. I mean, you could bet to protect, I guess, if you wanted to bet. But like you're gonna like if you had like seven eight suited or something like that, you might bet. You might, um, but you don't have too many of those hands anyway. I mean, would you really from a forgetting GTO for a second? If in practice, if you had Ace Ten suited, would you really want to bet one check two? Is there a lot of value there? If I'm uh, if you're Yokomane. Oh, if, they're, if I'm check two on the button. Yeah. Um, only if I'm betting a lot as bluffs, then right. I think it's fine to bet here. You know, because I figure we're going to get called by jacks, we're going to get called by kings, we're going to get called by a queen. Yeah. A lot. And, and in fact, I would guess that uh, Tayon Mulder has a lot of those hands. Now, he may also have pocket sevens and is just throwing his hand away. Yeah. Fair enough. But it's hard to get value out of pocket sevens at any point in this hand. It is. So, like, why not get some value out of a queen right now and... Maybe a worse ace sometimes. He can have like bad aces and be checking for sure, right? Like ace five suited. Yeah. That's like a, such a clear check, I think, on this board. Most of the, not, maybe not always, but like a bunch of the time he's going to check a bad ace. So Mulder did check a really good ace top two. Yeah. What do you think, if, if we forget that he did that and assume that he usually is betting ace queen, what do you think the bottom of his betting range is for value? Good ace, question. Ace jack, ace 10 maybe? I would guess ace 10 is probably the bottom. And ace 10 is sort of like... I can definitely get called by worse hands. It's fine, but I don't know if I can necessarily always bet the turn. Yeah. Know, kind of a thing. You may, you may assume, though, that uh, Yokoman is, is three-betting ace-jack on the button. A fair he's amount. not on the button. He's just in position. Oh, I'm sorry. But you may, you may assume he's mostly three-betting that and not calling with it. I'm not sure. Ace-jack off might just be a fold preflop, and ace-jack suited might just be a call. Well, well I, I, I think ace-jack off is either a fold or a three-bet. Yeah. Right? So that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like, so we don't have too many ace-jacks to worry about is what, is what I'm mostly speculating anyway. So that's why I think we can probably bet ace-10 and not worry too much about it. Yeah. We, maybe we can just... Maybe we're betting all our aces once, though. Small. And, like, trying to get value out of queens and stuff like that, too. You know, and, and not well, give gutters free shots. And maybe stuff not, because like we're not betting ace-queen. Maybe, yeah. maybe Yokomanian really is very aggressive, and he just happens to have one of the few hands that he checks back with nines. And maybe Tan is really trying to be balanced and knows he's checking bad aces, and he's checking king-queen, and he's checking kings and checking jacks, and he's got to pick some very strong hands to check, and so once in a while, he's got to check a hand. Like, there aren't that many stronger hands than this. This is the fourth strongest hand he can have, possibly, right? He might not have that many weaker aces. I mean, he opened plus one. Mm. They are seven-handed, so it's... He could... Ha- he, might, he just might have the ace-6 through ace-nine suited. He might not have those, but he might... I don't know. It depends yeah. on him and the table. This is not the easiest table. We know that. No, so he may not be playing ace-three suited, but... 
a lot of these guys just do it anyway. Especially like forty blinds deep may be enough for them too. Like usually, I feel like the, the really good players are like they think that's more than enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess so. I guess what he's just trying to do is be balanced here. You I know, guess that's, that's clearly what's going on. He's trying to say like, well, I'm checking a lot of other hands. So once I have to check a very strong hand, this is a very strong hand. There's not too much to be afraid of. Like a king shouldn't a king. The only thing that's beating me when a king comes is Jack 10. Yeah. Right. There's like some gutters that fill in. That's about it. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not balanced though. Maybe it is just that Yoko Manin has shown himself to be very aggressive okay. and he's like, you know what I want to, he's more likely to have a bluff and bluff with it than to have a hen you can call with. So I'm going right. to give him a, a chance. Okay. That, um, I mean, that's, that's fair. Best guess. Yeah. Um, and in fact, if Vogelsang has something that he's going to call with, if Yokoman bets, we're going to get Vogelsang's call in there anyway. So, so it's great. Yeah. And then we can check raise if we want and play it from there. Or I we assume, can just call, depending yeah. on sizing and everything. Yeah. I assume we're mostly check raising, but because like once we, if, especially if, if Vogelsang calls as yeah. well. If Vogelsang then, folds, we might just call. Right. But if Vogelsang yeah. calls too, then like check raise, because you feel like it's never, Yokoman's not going to bluff the turn now, yeah right so like we might as well check race might not get the opportunity though because yoni's gonna check yeah yoni's like i got two nines and it's fine you know what else yoni said to me the other day what nitrogen sports poker that sure is a hell of a sight what really well, well, what was the context well i have this little uh bear doll in my house it's like a little nice it's like a little stuffed teddy bear sure and i named him yoni and, oh. and I have conversations with him. Oh, so th- I thought you meant this Yoni that we were just no, talking about. No, no, no. Yoni the bear. Oh, Yoni the bear. Yeah. <laughs> right. One of, of the Berenstein Yoni bears. The bear. He's one of the Berenstein bears. Berenstein bears. What? <laughs> 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 anyway, what Yoni was talking yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, was not the multiverse, although nitrogen certainly exists in many iterations of the universe. Mm. Uh, I think we're lucky, though. I think we have the best version of nitrogen. I think we might. We, we, it's really possible. It's a pretty good one. Although... They finally did it, Grant. Yeah, they finally cut down the prize pool to still be an absurd, ridiculous deal in our monthly Poker Guys tournament, which you have to use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen or else you don't get access to. It used to be a 100 millibit guarantee, which was just beyond words because as at the recording of this podcast, Bitcoin's trading around $63,000. Yeah. That means the guarantee was $6,300 and they only let 300 players in. They would have needed a thousand to meet that guarantee. They were just giving away thousands of dollars for months and months. They're giving away like $5,000 a month. Every single guess what? They're still giving away thousands of dollars. Yeah. They've they've halved to the guarantee. It's now 50 millibits. So boohoo. It's a $3,200 guarantee or whatever. 3150. Um, but the buy-in is still 0.1 millibits. So that's like, you know, five to seven dollars, depending on the day, yep. whatever. And the overlay is still absurd. It's still the best iterated value in poker. We knew it was coming eventually. We hope it's not because we talked about it in the ads. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about it for like two years. Yeah. So probably not that. It's still like literally, as Grant said, thousands of dollars worth of overlay. It's fine. Right. It's still totally worth playing. It's still amazing. It's still, as you say, the best iterated value in poker. Yeah. Got to get in there and get you some poker. Of course, they also have sports betting, casino games. And when you win something, you get your money out fast. Bitcoin only. And they don't fuck around with your money, Levy. That's right. They, they give it to you. 90 they, minutes. They want you to have it. They want you to, to treasure it. They want you to look at it and weep at I mean, the memories. Nitrogen probably does want you to have Bitcoin, right? They're kind of Bitcoin maximalists. They definitely are Bitcoin maximalists. Yeah. Very much so. So, you know, get that Bitcoin in your hands. That's what they're all about. Yeah. It's great. Big get in there. Good thing to hold on to. Get in there. Get you some poker. <laughs> Indeed. All right. We're back. Pod is still around 800K. Blue Chew. <laughs> Do you want... No, not this time. Oh. oh. <laughs> guess what? Do you need to be hard? Oh. Guess what? What? You can chew it. 
<laughs> it's chewable, Jonathan. Wait, why do they call what it? If there, what if there was medicine that you could chew? But wait, I'm worried about the color of it, Grant. It's blue. <laughs> and guess what else? You can chew it. <laughs> we should have done this as the ad yeah. for Blue Chew. That was, that's better than what they made us do. Yeah. I'm never doing those ads again, man. Not like that. Only this way or nothing for Blue Only Chew. Only goofy ads? Yeah, allowed. goofy or nothing. I'm never doing a serious dick pill ad again. I swear <laughs> to God. All right. Okay, anyway. <laughs> this is how we get new advertisers. All right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> doing it for the love of the game anyway. Yeah. Uh, Ace of Hearts, Queen of Spades, three diamonds was the flop. We have Ace Queen for Tayon Mulder, who checked despite being the aggressor. Vogel saying check the set of threes, so that worked out pretty well for Tayon so far. And we've got Bustoville over there with two nines, not going to matter. All right, Deuce of Hearts on the turn, four five does get there. Mm. Heart draw comes in, not like you have a flush now, but now you could have a heart draw. Got it. Um, Vogel saying doesn't bet. What? What the hell? Doesn't bet his set of threes. What's going on here? Wow. Going for the check raise? I, I guess so. I guess he's going to check raise. I mean, it must be, right? Like, we're not checking a call now, right? That seems weird. You would think that's weird, but I mean, if you want to keep queens in your range, like queen X in your range, just bet. in your opponent's just mind, bet. yeah, you could just bet. Bet twice and say, like, what if they check back the river? Like, just bet. Maybe Vogel saying truly believes that Yoni doesn't have anything because he mm-hmm. checked back in position and that Mulder usually doesn't have anything or he has a hand that won't even call like two sixes. They both often have showdownable hands though, right? Yeah. They both checked and the, those are like one guy is the guy who's going to bluff that board a lot because he's the initiator and the other guy is the guy in position who might be at least really aggressive. And if he has nothing, he's pro- like now a hand like nines may not get it. We may not get a call from in fairness, but um, but like both of them rate to have queens or bad aces some of the time. Yeah. I don't understand why we're not betting. It is a bit odd. It is a bit odd. I don't know. But that's what Vogel saying does. The second heart comes even. Like we could we can have the nuts sometimes. We can have a heart draw a lot. We can have a queen. We can be bluffing. We have all these things. And we happen to have a very, very strong hand. I mean No one else really rates to have four or five. It's either. just like the hand on the dial was a certain like this is the one out of thirty times that Vogel saying is gonna check I mean, a set. I don't know. Like we we're the only ones really who can have the nuts here, right? Pretty it sure. seems like it. Yeah, Yoni's probably going to bet if he has four or five suited. Both of them are going to yeah. bet if they somehow have that yeah. on the flop, right? You'd think so. So, like, it's just us. So, like, I just think we got to range it. We, we, have a, we have the nuts when they don't. We actually have a super strong hand. There are hands they have that they can call with. We're out of position. I just think we should be betting. Almost, maybe, but like you said, obviously Vogelsang knows all these things, decides to check. Maybe it's some weird balance thing where we, like you said, once in a while, he's got to check this yeah. again to balance against all the times he's checking with nothing. Beyond that, I don't know what else to say. There's nothing else to say. Because it's like three ways, board's getting a little scary. Right. It feels like a time to bet. There are definitely some really bad cards on the river. Yeah. Anyway, he checks. Okay. Tayon can't handle it anymore. He's going to bet. He has to. He goes small, which I like. He bets 200K into about 800K. I think this is probably a pretty good idea. Like, uh, There's a lot of really marginal hands in his opponent's ranges that might not call a bigger bet. I mean, the only problem with this bet is if someone picked up a heart draw now, we're giving them fabulous odds to continue, right? That's yeah. it. That's it. But we can always just check call on the river if a heart comes anyway. Like, We don't have to put a lot of money in it. Right. Right? Like, I don't think we can necessarily fold on a heart, but we don't... Or we could bet fold. We can just bet fold on a heart. Like, we can do whatever we want. We'll but, figure it out. Yeah, but I... So, so betting, it, we have to bet. I might size it up a little bit, but you're right. There's, like, 
our, our opponent's hands don't rate to be super strong. Vogelsang might be betting a heart draw on the turn anyway. So yeah. now we're just down to Jokinen, who probably has hearts if anyone does. And we, we, bo- we block both aces and queens, yeah. which are the hands that we want our opponents to have. So they're most likely one pair of hands or like Vogelsang having a really bad wheel one pair hand. Right. And so like, let's keep that alive. Okay. Kind of the thought process. Okay. Not, not crazy. You, if you want to get value out of a queen, this is a, you're kind of guaranteed to get value out of a queen by betting. Too if you want to get value out of a three or a deuce, out of Vogel saying, this is like, maybe you have a chance to. Maybe. I mean, we're still betting three ways, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, you don't have a chance to get called by those things if you bet like 550 or something. Right. That's true. Or much, much less likely, yeah. of course. Yeah. Uh, despite the small bet, with Vogel saying behind, Yoni folds with two nines. It's makes, a discipline fold. It's a discipline fold. I think it makes a lot of sense. It does, but you could justify calling. I think it's not, it's only two blinds to call. You like, are in position. I, I think I, I think it's, very reasonable yeah, to call here. Yeah, but this is here. the Jonathan Levy perspective of always it's reasonable to call. <laughs> you know what? Let's talk about the price. And well, it's always a good price in well, poker. I mean, it's an especially good price when it's 200 and 800. Right? I know, but it's just it's, like... We're getting five to one in position with the hand that, that could be best. It's but, probably best more than 20% of the time. But I think do, it's fine to but call. But Doom is portended, Jonathan. Yeah. Like well, he, we might be anticipating that if we're calling and we're the only one who calls that yeah. Mulder's betting 100% of rivers whether he has it or not and like what do we do against big sizing well and of course in any time he checks we're almost always losing yeah right? like and he's not he's probably not folding if a heart doesn't come anyway yeah so then we're bluffing and it gets weird this is this is of course the problem you're right that like when we when we call this turn bet we're often going to be in a very uncomfortable spot on the river and it's not it's not as clean or as good and I'm not saying I'm on Yoni's level or these guys level at all but I'm more of a tournament pro than you are right sure and I think an undervalued thing in tournament play especially is just like finding spots like this that feel mathematically obligatory and avoiding them anyway because mm-hmm. like there's not really that much upside and there's not really that much of a point. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, as someone who's a little bit more of a cash game yeah. type dude, um, I think in a cash game it makes more sense to call too, right? Because people are more, much more apt to give up in a cash game yeah. um, because... The pot's not as valuable. The pot's not as valuable, right. Like, you don't need those chips in the way you right. do in a tournament. Like, you don't have to win it. So people are much more apt to give up, especially... And also, like, you're more apt to call. Sometimes You can hero call yeah. more easily in cash games and stuff like that. So that's fair. Yeah. So I think it's just, like, a clear... Like, if somebody took this line in a cash game, which I don't think they would very often, but with this type of sizing and stuff, mm. like, right. it's, a, it's pretty easy to call. But in a tournament where every chip matters and, you know, the the exponential growth of the pot matters a lot as far as like the decisions you're going to have to make based on what you perceive your own ranges to be. It, it makes it just not worth getting involved. Now, for heads up instead of if Vogelsang's not in the hand. I think that changes the equation significantly. Yeah, we might even bet the flop when checked May, as protection. We, we probably have to call two blinds on the turn then, right? Yeah. Um, and then we're still going to be in that weird spot on the river, but... It's a less strong, like he's just got a, a wider yeah. range on the turn, right? Yeah. Once he's checked once. I mean, he often has like a good queen or a bad ace though, yeah. when he plays it like this. He does. But still, we just have to call the turn, right? Mm, we don't have to, but it's it's better to. Than it seems like we're getting exploited really hardcore if we don't call the turn here with, with two nines to me. Because then he can just check and bet with impunity and always win. Seems bad. Not always. Only when we have two nines. Yeah, every time we have two nines. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, guess what Vogelsang does? He calls. He just calls. Doesn't check race. He just thinks his opponent is too weak. He just thinks our opponent, his opponent has like ace, ace six suited or like king queen. Right? Don't you have to call with ace six suited against Vogelsang if you're Mulder and you check the flop and bet 200k on the turn and Vogelsang check raises? It's fucking Vogelsang. You have to call with ace six if he check raises you. Yeah, I think you're right. You probably do. Maybe you find it. 
I'm wondering if A6 is enough if you like you'd rather have like one of the maybe you don't really have A6 suited anyway maybe. Plus one. so if you have like a, if you have the gut shot with it you do have to call you, oh, you and actually your bad aces are almost always going to have the gut shots right yeah and you have to block you block the nuts which is maybe you have all the ace, maybe you have all the suited aces that we already talked about this yeah. like, it's unclear if he's going to have like A6 A7 yeah. A8 suited um, but he could and if he has those it gets gets weird again cuz now you got a lot of aces there that you check the flop with and you're going to want to call with the gutters and not with the... Like, A6 is the worst ace. It's way, way worse than Ace-5, right? And Ace-4. I, I, yeah. I, I feel like Vogel saying by calling is, is implicitly putting Mulder on King-Queen. That's what it right. feels like. Right, because that, that's the hand that definitely is going to fold, I yeah. think, if we check, right? Because so, he's got to fold something, and King-Queen and Jacks like, make sense yeah. to fold here. If yeah. we're even betting Jacks on the turn, which we might be. It's interesting. It's like the cost-benefit analysis of the situation for Vogel saying is pretty interesting because... If you check raise, obviously you have a much better chance of winning a large pot here, and like he's he's calling just to try to guarantee one more bet on the river. Yeah, and it's probably not going to be a huge bet. Yeah, and being out of position sets you up to be this weird. Yeah, if you check, like he could just check back with king queen. He's often going to unless yeah. he goes for maybe we know he goes for thin value. Yeah, okay, but then like if we check raise, he's just going to fold king queen. I assume if we go check call turn yeah. check raise river like. Even if we're Vogel saying we're, we're balanced, he's gonna have that's gonna be the bottom of his freaking range. Yeah. There, he's gonna fold it. I, I guess I think if Mulder's good and it's not a hard on the river, you're probably supposed to bet King Queen for value. Try and get value out yeah. of like Queen Ten and Queen Jack, yeah. and actually just other queens that he can have. Are we getting called? I guess when heart when hearts miss, yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's how we balance to some degree. Um, okay, because we also don't have in theory that many strong hands, right? We have got some some other bad aces, some other aces, and as it turns out, some a few very strong hands. Apparently, yeah. So yeah. do you like this, though? Coming back to Vogel saying, do you like not going? Like, I always want to try and play. Now, we only start with 40 blinds. But I'm often, if I've got a big hand, I'm usually trying to win a big pot. And I understand that means I'm going to win a lot of small pots. Yeah. But it gives me the opportunity when I've coolered someone to actually get full value out of the cooler. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It feels odd to me. I, it's The decisions that Vogel saying makes, once he, especially once he checks the turn, it's hard for me to parse them so well because mm. I'm not often in that spot. Like it feels so natural to bet the turn as Vogel saying, that's what I want to do. Right. I want to just bet the turn. We bet the turn. We bet the river. Yeah. Life is good. Piece of cake. Right. Yeah. No big deal. Um, we call raises. If we bet the turn and bet the river, I think. Yeah. Unless terrible cards come just, awful. yeah, I guess a heart could come on the river. We bet we get raised. Yeah. We could, we could fold that. Right. But that's about it. Probably like, like, we can think of hands, like, almost any river that raised for value that we're beating, probably, even. Um, so, yeah. it's So, okay. So, what well, we chose not to bet. The, yes. The, the, the turn. We get this tiny bet, and we just call. And being out of position just makes this hand so much tougher to get value with. It's just so much tougher. We don't get to set the price. This is why I want to bet the turn. Yeah. I want to bet the turn, and God... Darn it. If we're not going to bet the turn, I want to check. Yeah. It. And I kind of get not check raising when yeah. once we're here. Like it does feel like we're just going to fold them out almost all the time. Yeah, I agree. But he's going to if we're folding him out, he's often not going to put money in on the river anyway. I mean, we could lead the river. We could if it's a non heart. Yeah, we could. I mean, how's that going to work out? I mean, are we going to now in this case, it's going to work out great. But in general, it's, it's such a weird line. Weird lines are good, though. Yeah. But again, we're still we're still like cutting ourselves off at the knees a little bit in terms of getting real value out of this. Sort of feels like the river. Like, don't we want to put real chips in here? Don't we want to go for? We can get a full double here, right? We have forty blinds. He's got forty five blinds. 
Do we want to give ourselves a shot at that? It feels like we're not even giving ourselves a shot. It does. It does. It's a bit odd. Yeah. But that's where we are. Okay. Heading to the river with 1.2 million in the pot. The board reads Ace of Hearts, Queen of Spades, Three of Diamonds, Deuce of Hearts. The river is the King of Spades. Okay. So now there's an Ace, King, and Queen on the board. Yeah. Vogel saying checks. Doesn't lead. Doesn't go for the lead. So, okay. I mean... Mulder could have king-queen, and you're definitely getting a bet out of Mulder if he has king-queen now. So that's yes, good. Yes, that's true. And king-king got there, which is a hand that Mulder would probably play this way. Yeah, he could have king-king. Jack-10 sure. is a hand he potentially would play this way, although you'd really expect him to bet the flop. Yeah, you expect mostly betting the flop. Yeah, there, mostly. Maybe sometimes he won't. But king-king, king-king looms large as, as the one real problem. Yeah. It's the only real problem, right? Yeah. A little bit of Jack-10, mostly king-queen. Yeah. Okay. So Vogelsang is going to check. Sure. What size should Mulder go for? Obviously, he has to bet ace-queen. What are we targeting here? We're, yeah. Because that's the question. We're, okay, well, we could target a bad ace that's just going to, like, just giving us all the rope in the world. Yeah. We target King Jack and King 10. Those are potential hands that Vogelsang could play this way. Yep. Are there any other obvious two-pair spots? I guess he could have King X of Hearts yeah. that we could go after. Yeah. That's not crazy. That's about it, right? Like, I guess he could have king three, but he and call the turn sometimes. Not yeah, there was possible. only 200k. He's closing the action. Yeah, so it's possible he could. Yeah, I guess he could call yeah. king three. Um, okay, but there's not too much. Is the point? No. Okay, let's let's ask this other question: Is the size going to matter? So, like, if we for at, all those hands, at a certain point, it does. You know, like betting 100k, the minimum is going to yeah. get you called a lot more than betting three million. You know. Of course. Yeah. But if we're thinking about these, like this range of hands that like got here, you know, and like some of the stronger hands, like if he's got a bad king. Yeah. Like he's got king, king X of hearts, king yeah. seven of hearts. Right. So he just had to call the turn. Mm-hmm. And now here we are in the river and he's got a king. Does it matter if we bet small or big? It probably does. Right. It probably makes some difference there. Basically, we want to bet as much as we can <laughs> to get called. Right. Of course. So I'm trying to wonder. I'm asking the question, though, like, like if, especially if he has hearts and that's how he got here. Now we don't have hearts as much, so we've got more made hands and we're betting again. Like maybe he, maybe we just can't bet that big against a lot of this range. No, obviously the hands that they have, it's not going to be an issue. But maybe we shouldn't bet that big. I actually, from a story perspective, like betting big because we check the flop and we bet tiny on the turn. It looks like we're kind of flailing desperately. Like, okay, you could have called with like bottom pair. Let's just make sure to get rid of that. So you want to, so you want to rep basically missed hearts or something yeah. like that and have a queen hero us. Yeah. That's what we're really talking. Cause the King, cause if we just had like King Jack, we wouldn't bet the river, right? Yeah. We certainly wouldn't bet big on the river. No. Um, so that's interesting. That's a good way to think about it. We missed hearts, buddy. Call me with queen 10. Cause what am I betting this big with? Yeah. Like I, I can't go for value with that much. And so it's, I'm polarizing myself in a bit of a weird way. That's reasonable. I like that. Well, that's what Mulder does. He goes pretty big. That's yeah. about 900K into 1.2 million. Okay. I like that. Decent size. Vogel saying, can you get value by raising? That is the big question here. That is the really big question. Okay. Let's, let me ask you specifically with the hands that they actually have. Yeah. Can he get value by raising? So, okay. I think I have an answer. So Mulder has like three pips down from Vogelsang's hand, yeah. basically. I think he's supposed to be able to get value. Me too. Because of the way the hand was played. Like Jack-10 doesn't really loom very large, right? No. Like how can he check call even for 200K with Jack-10 out of position? He just doesn't have he it. He could. He would lead it or check raise it. He's almost yeah. never going to just call. Kind of the same thing goes for 4-5. or five. 
Yeah, almost always, almost always. But what are what is he bluffing with when like Mulder bets really big? Uh, not really big, well, but seventy five. That's a polarizing amount. Yeah, it's a it's a sizable amount. Like Vogelstein could check shove, and it wouldn't be unreasonable, right? So, I don't know. Like, I think this is closer than you're making it out to be. I don't. I'm not entirely sure you can get called by Ace Queen by raising here. Like, what are you raising to? Good question. Um, you're raising to two point four or five million. Let's okay. say so, like two and a half x ish. What are our bluffs? That's the big question I've been wondering, too. I mean, I guess we can have hearts sometimes. I think what we'd be doing is we'd be taking one bad pair and turning it into a bluff mostly because I can't really come up with anything else that makes a lot of sense that I we f- play this way. I feel like our bluffs are like deuce four suited and, mm-hmm. and three five suited and those yeah. types of hands that block and can rep the four fives of the world. Um, I think those, are, those make a lot of sense. Maybe hearts with a pair. Maybe. Like, like three X of hearts or something like that. Um, and now he bets the now he bets big on it, and we're like, oh no. The thing is though, with one pair, when he's polarized, one pair should be enough. Yeah. We shouldn't need to raise as a bluff with one pair here, right? Yeah, I'm not really convinced that we can get called by his queen if we raise. If Mulder bet five hundred K, I would feel differently about it, but he bet nine hundred K. Five hundred K I think we're forced to raise. Yeah. Nine hundred K is at least is definitely an interesting spot. It does feel really conservative and, and probably too careful to just call. There, before, before we started this, when, when I saw that this had happened, I said he must have thought it was like a game theory disaster spot, yeah. right? Where basically, like, all the hands that are betting for value here, even that are trying to squeeze thin value, are all just going to fold. Yep. So now it's only the strong hands that are left, and the strong hands are pocket kings, sometimes jack 10, which took a weird line yep. on the flop. And, okay, I guess ace-king could be there, I guess... Ace-queen could be there. Maybe king-queen thinks itself strong enough, but that can't beat any value. Ace-king, at least in theory, can beat value. Well, okay. So Vogelsang does just call. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is that pocket kings and jack-10, while rare, make way more sense from this line than ace-queen and ace-king, which are the hands you were hoping to get called by. Pocket kings makes the most sense. Yeah. Way more than jack-10. It does. But jack-10 is still possible. Yeah. You know, it's as possible as ace-queen, it feels like. Um, Okay. That's probably about right. Pretty similar. Yeah. Um, now, we can also target, as we said, ace-king. Right, but that also would likely bet the flop a lot of the time. Sure, but I'm saying, but now we can't. We have double the amount of like ace-king, ace-queens versus the jack-tens. Right, but then there's the kings that loom large, right. which play exactly like this. But a there's, lot there's a lot less combos of kings. There's only three combos of kings compared right, to Right, but the, the, you might play all three combos of kings like this, Agreed. and you're playing like a half combo total of ace-queen and ace-king like no, this. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and then this, and this is of course the problem. The continuing range may not be even if we can get called by Ace Queen. Let's say for a second we can get called by Ace King, Ace Queen. Is the continuing range enough? Right, because if we're not getting called by any one pair of hands, then it might just be like a little bit too much of. A I mean, risk. I, guess, I guess the only question is that there's only three combos of kings, and there's what it would be uh, nine combos of Ace King. Then that would be enough. If we're but there's getting, no if we're way there's called. nine combos of right, Ace King right. here. Like he checked the flop. He's going to check the flop with Kings almost all the time. He's going to bet the flop with Ace King almost, almost all, all the time. time. Yeah, and Ace Queen too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So if you're right, so if there's one combo of those things, going back to your yeah. theory about half a combo each, and there's three combos of Kings, and those that's the continuing range or better. Yeah, which you know isn't great for us either. Probably right. right? Somehow he has some other pocket aces, pocket queens, pocket you know whatever. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Jack, and, and once in a while, you can have Jack-10, too, a yeah. little bit, a tiny bit. So maybe that, that's, that's the equation, right? Yeah. It actually kind of makes some sense to me. Now, here's the thing. 
if we're the kind of guy who can show up with enough bluffs here, which as Vogel's saying, the answers we're supposed to be able to, maybe the continuing, the continuing range is bigger than we think. We're supposed to be balanced here as Vogel's Well, I think we can be balanced here, even with this hand being a check call on the sizing, because we have enough jack 10 and 4-5 in our range, in our minds perhaps, that, that we have enough value check raises. What are the, how many bluffs? I guess the question is just how many bluffs do we have, right? And I guess and his answer would be as many to balance out Jack yeah. 10 and 4-5, sucker. Right. Which is a fair answer. Yeah. Except he doesn't have almost any Jack 10 and 4-5 based on how he played this hand. Vogel saying. I mean, you wouldn't think he has pocket threes either. I wouldn't, but they're still way more likely than Jack 10 and 4-5, which are calling on the turn out of position, check call. It was it's two, just, it was, he's getting five to one, like he said. It's a gut shot. And there's big overcards. Like there's, that's not enough. Yeah. It's absolutely not enough. I, in, it, a, in a spot where your opponent doesn't rate to bet if you again. If you believe the Mulder is going to go for the, the bluffs on the river a lot of the time and go for big value on the river when he's slow playing, there is value in calling. I mean, this is hands. the Sam Greenwood argument, right? Yeah. That one time when he called with the A6. Yeah, yeah. We're right. not talking about direct odds here. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's asking a lot is what I'm saying. And if we were in position, I'd feel a little better about it, too. We're not. I just don't, I mean, I'm not saying we have zero, four, five in Jack 10. I think we have very, very little of it. Very little. Well, we also have very little threes. Like you said about yeah, Kings, do. there's we only do. three combos of pocket threes, and we're not playing all of them like this. No, for sure we're not. For sure we're not. That's true. Like, I, I think... This is really close, I guess. I think the way the Vogelsang played the hand is odd to get here. I think not betting the turn is really the crux of it that uh, is kind of throwing me off. But I think once we're here, I actually understand just calling, and I think it's probably the right move. I'm not sure if it's actually the right move, but I certainly understand it. And I'm not sold that it's the right move, even though I understand everything we're saying. I wonder if we're just, if the knowledge of the hands makes it harder to like envision wider ranges that might call raises and stuff like that, you know, and how many bluffs we really yeah. have here and all that. I, I, I wonder um, without, of course, knowing. This is, this is weird because in the end, Christoph Vogelsang calls, sees the hands and is like, oh, well, that was a double up. Like, all I have to do is bet the flop or check or raise the turn. Maybe he just has to have Mulder bet the flop. Yeah. By the right. way, Mulder not betting the flop. Vogel saying not leading the turn or check raising the turn. Allowed Mulder to win this tournament, by the way. Yeah. Like if, if this hand goes the way it usually goes, Mulder is cut down to five blinds and very unlikely to win this tournament. Vogel saying finishes fourth. Mulder wins. And really, if, the, if Tayon bets the flop, it's hard to imagine that many scenarios where. He's down, he isn't down to five blinds yeah. after this hand and finishes probably seventh. Right. I mean, what an unbelievable gift from his point of view, at least. Yeah. That Vogel's, I mean, when he gets just called, he's like, ship, ship the chips, baby. Yeah. This is automatic. Pass the sugar, right? Yeah. He's Joe Hashiming it. And he's, then, he's Hashiming it. For sure. He's Joe Hashim. Yeah. Tayon Mulder is Joe Hashim. Ing it. No, in a movie. Yeah. Tayon Mulder is Joe Hashim in Pass the Sugar. Ing it. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the sugar. I got the Rockets. He said that one time and then got busted by Seven Deuce. Nice. Nice. All right, that's probably enough of that. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make